are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, December 16th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're hearing today, then please, please, please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. It's all for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good morning, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your morning. First off, uh, I hope everyone out there, especially those who are uh, listening on the car right now on their way to work, I hope everyone out there is having safe travels so far here today in the Chicagoland area because it is freaking crazy windy out there right now. I know it's like supposed to be 65 today or something, but it it is crazy windy out right now. And I've already seen uh, pictures of trees pulled out of their roots and I'm looking outside my window literally right now and I see, you know, debris and um branches and stuff all over the streets. So uh, I hope everyone out there is having safe travels so far on this kind of crazy and kooky Thursday morning. Uh, But on tap for the show here today, of course, I'll be going over the Chicago Blackhawks thrilling 5-4 overtime win over the Washington Capitals last night. Just an incredible game from start to finish that I was lucky enough to be in attendance for. Then I'll also get into uh, all the COVID-19 issues that are affecting numerous teams across the National Hockey League right now and what it could mean for the future of the NHL. And then to wrap things up, I'll also get into all the details from the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach officially reaching a settlement yesterday in the sexual assault lawsuit that was filed earlier in 2021. We'll discuss all of that right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. To start us off today, folks, let's begin with that wacky and wild win over the Washington Capitals last night. A crazy back-and-forth game that had a lot more offensive action than I was expecting. And I talked on the show yesterday with uh, Tyler Kuehl from Lockdown Capitals, and we both thought that this was probably going to be a a low-scoring affair with Ilya Samsonov back in net for the Caps. Uh, In the first meeting a couple weeks back, the Hawks saw Vitek Vanacek in net. This time around, it was their number one in Samsonov, who only had, excuse me, only had two regulation losses on the season coming into last night uh, and had some really good numbers as well. And then Marc-Andre Fleury, with him getting the go for the Blackhawks uh, and being so good as of late. He's only allowed more than three goals one time so far in his previous 10 starts under Derrick King. So uh, with those two solid netminders facing off against each other last night, I certainly did not envision uh, a 5-4 to four final in this one. But hey, it was certainly one of the most exciting games for the Hawks so far this season. And they've now actually scored four goals in regulation 
in back-to-back games. That's the first time the Blackhawks have done that this season. So, finally, it looks like they're starting to uh, heat up a little bit on offense in these past two games, and both of which have come against really solid defensive teams in the Eastern Conference in the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Washington Capitals. But aside from uh, Marc-Andre Fleury being back in net last night, as for the rest of the Blackhawks lineup, first, as expected up front, Henrik Borgstrom and Curtis Gabriel were the two players who did not suit up for this one. Gabriel's still kind of battling with some uh, visa issues up in Canada. The team's hopeful that he'll be able to join them here sometime soon. And then Borgstrom actually was placed on injured reserve yesterday morning due to that bad shrimp he's, uh, he had a couple of days back leading to a non-COVID-related illness that he's been dealing with. And I guess it's a, a pretty bad one here for Borgie because it's now kept him out of each of these past two games and he hasn't practiced or been on the ice in quite a while now. And being someone that was out for a couple of weeks earlier in the season due to COVID-19, I mean, this poor kid, I really hope he's not going to have any, you know, uh, a lingering fatigue issues or any long-term problems from this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a real tough break for Henrik Borgstrom. Hopefully he can feel better sometime soon and be able to rejoin the boys. Uh, but with him out, as expected, the Blackhawks did go with Dylan Strom as their top-line center in between Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane. The second line did, in fact, have the newly recalled Brett Connolly up on it with Jonathan Taze and Brandon Hagel. Dominic Kubelik, Kirby Doc, and Philip Kurashev made up the third line. Once again, those three have been together for, uh, they, not only were they together in Saturday's game against the Leafs, but they've also been kept together throughout practice earlier on in the week. And then that left uh, Josiah Slavin, Mackenzie Entwistle, and Ryan Carpenter as the fourth forward line for the Hawks. And on defense, interestingly enough, Eric Gustafson was the man who wound up being a healthy scratch last night versus the Caps, with Caleb Jones drawing back into the lineup, finally getting over uh, an illness of his own that he's been dealing with for the past week or two. Um, But I will say, I I was a little surprised that Gustafson, um, that now was the time that he finally got scratched. It seemed like uh, for the past... Really, ever since, I guess, that first game against the Capitals a couple of weeks back, ever since then, really, Gustafson has been a, a much steadier player on the back end for the Blackhawks. He's been making much swifter decisions. He hasn't been nearly as big of a liability in his own zone. Uh, so I just kind of thought the timing was a little bit odd for Gustafson to pick up his first healthy scratching under Derek King. But things are going to get a lot more competitive on the back end here for the Blackhawks uh, in that sixth and final defenseman spot in the lineup because everyone back there now is finally healthy. Uh, Connor Murphy's back from concussion protocol. Riley Stillman's back from his knee injury. Uh, Calvin DeHaan, who's been banged up for what it seemed like the past month, uh, hasn't had any maintenance days recently and seems like he's heading in the right direction. And then now Caleb Jones is back from his non-COVID-related illness. So that gives the Blackhawks... Seven healthy defenseman options for really the first time uh, this entire season. Seven defenseman options who are 
NHL caliber defenseman. Of course, they've had to recall a bunch of guys due to COVID issues and injuries and whatnot. Uh, but they have their seven that they want up at the NHL now fully healthy. So, uh, yeah, things are definitely going to get a bit more competitive on the back end for the Blackhawks. And we'll see uh, who's going to be the man that winds up being that seventh defenseman or if it's going to be kind of a rotation like we've seen uh, in the past couple of games. But it do- it did seem like um, putting... Caleb Jones in the lineup last night, uh, that wound up being a, a pretty good decision from Derek King because in overtime, Caleb was the one who wound up putting home the game-winning goal to seal the deal for the Blackhawks. Caleb got a shift out there with Patrick Kane and Kirby Doc, and after a rare defensive gem by Kaner, he uh, bodied Connor Sheary along the boards and stripped him of the puck. That led to Doc and Jones finding themselves on a two-on-one. Doc fires the puck on the net, which was the right decision, by the way. Glad to see Kirby make the easy play there that was in front of him. The defender took away the pass. Good to see that Kirby didn't try to force anything. He made the simple play, and his shot may not have gone in, but shooting the puck is what led to the game-winning goal. Caleb was right there to jump on the rebound. That's his first goal as a member of the Blackhawks, and it couldn't have come at a bigger time to lift them to a huge 5-4 victory in overtime. And that's now actually the Blackhawks' sixth overtime-slash-shootout win here under Derek King, uh, moving his record to 10-6 now through 16 games, and the Hawks themselves move up to 11-15-2 through 28 games on the season. All right, there are some quick thoughts on the Blackhawks lineup changes for last night's game against the Caps. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to go into a full recap of the chaotic 5-4 OT victory. But first, I need to talk to you all about Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner takes all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play, and you get to handpick the team that you want to face them one-on-one with. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes as well. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Head, uh, Stat Hero head to head, excuse me, is what daily fantasy should be. One on one, you pick three players that you want, you go up against three that you pick with Stat Hero, you pick the odds, and if you beat them, you win. Winner takes all. And you think what you think what you have what it takes to beat those three that Stat Hero has posted, then go and sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash hockey and use the promo code HOCKEY, one word in all caps, for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash hockey and use the promo code HOCKEY for a 100% match. Welcome back to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into my recap of last night's win now versus Washington. I already talked about Caleb Jones' crazy game winner in OT. Uh, but but even before overtime, th- this was uh, a wild one through the first 60 minutes. The first period was definitely the tamest of the three uh, with, per usual, kind of a, a feeling out process. how the Hawks like to do it, I think, and... and uh, they didn't generate much themselves in the offensive zone. The Capitals actually uh, put together 
a couple of couple of quality looks there in transition, but Mark Andre Fleury, who uh, by the way, a real cool celebration for his 500th win prior to puck drop in this one. There was a cool uh, two or, or two and a half minute video montage of a bunch of goalies and and former teammates talking about Fleury and what a great teammate he is and all the accolades he's picked up. His family was in the video as well. It was a real cool moment prior to the game, uh, but Fleury came out rolling in net. He came up with a bunch of big stops in order to keep this game scoreless in the first period when the Capitals did have those good looks in transition. So nothing, nothing after 20 minutes, but then in the second, that's really when the goals um, started to pour in from both sides and in quite a hurry. And Alex Ovechkin, of course, as he's done his entire career, uh, opened the scoring on the power play for Washington. And it probably wasn't a good idea by the Blackhawks to leave Ovi all alone over there at the left circle. The puck finds him, and he just hammered a shot past Flurry to make it one to nothing caps. And the Blackhawks PK, by the way, it continues to be an issue for this team. They've now dropped all the way down to 22nd in the NHL at 79.2%. I remember when this was a top five penalty kill not all that long ago, and now they're down near the bottom third of the league. It's been a struggle. Uh, three power play goals allowed for the Hawks in their past two games. Four goals technically uh, allowed with a man advantage since, uh, spoiler alert, not really much of a spoiler though, I'm sure all my listeners out there watched the game last night, uh, but the Caps wound up scoring one with an empty with an empty net late. Um, but after the Caps opened the scoring on that power play goal from Ovechkin, uh, just a few minutes later, they wound up taking a few costly penalties of their own and the Hawks they went 0 for 2 on the man advantage in the first period but here in the second they were faced with 17 seconds of five on three time and they wound up cashing in and it all started with Jonathan Taves winning an offensive zone faceoff that's so key and I'll never understand the people out there who think faceoffs don't matter clearly they matter it mattered on this one. Taves wins an offensive zone draw. The puck manages to find its way over to Kane. And then he uh, sends a beautiful cross-crease pass to find Debrinket backdoor for the tap-in. That's Debrinket. That was Debrinket's 15th goal of the season. And it tied the game 1-1. to And the Hawks still had two minutes of power play time left over because they managed to score with the 5-on-3. And it didn't take them long to capitalize on the 5-on-4 opportunity either, as just 18 seconds after Debrinket's goal, Kirby Doc drives the puck into the offensive zone. His cross-crease pass actually didn't connect with Philip Kurashev on first glance, um, but Kurashev stuck with it, and on his second whack, the puck managed to squeak through Ilya Samsonov, and just like that, the Blackhawks cashed in for two power play goals to take a 2-1 to one lead in the second period. A huge swing for their man advantage, which really has not been all that good for not only as of late, but for the majority of the time under Derek King here. But they found a way to take advantage, and that gave them the lead. Uh, Dabrinkit backdoor, his 15th goal, and then Kurashev finally stuffs one home for his, his first tally of the season. That one had to feel good for Curry. It only took him 22 games, but he's finally in the goal column. Um, but after that second power play goal from the Blackhawks, they weren't done because 16 seconds after that, 
after Kurashev's goal. The Blackhawks have the puck again in the offensive zone, and Jonathan Taves makes just a terrific pass to find Brandon Hagel in the slot. He fires a shot off on net, and Mackenzie Entwistle, who was perfectly planted in front of the net, bats in the rebound. That was Entwistle's third goal of the year and his first since November 7th. This is his first game since returning from that ankle injury, so that had to feel good for Macker. And more importantly, the Blackhawks had just scored three goals in 34 seconds. Three goals in 34 seconds. That uh, gave me some flashbacks to Game 5 against the Anaheim. Was it Game 5 or Game 4? Damn, now my memory is really being tested here. No, it was Game 4. It was Game 4 against the Anaheim Ducks because that was the Antoine Vermette overtime winner. The Blackhawks allowed three goals in 34 seconds to the Anaheim Ducks. Fortunately, they wound up rallying, winning that game, and then winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, But this time, the three goals in 34 seconds was in their favor. It was unbelievable. And the UC was rocking when that happened. That was definitely the loudest I've heard the crowd all season in the the five or six games that I've been to so far. And that was actually the third fastest three-goal stretch for the Hawks in franchise history. And it was it was just seriously like, what the hell just happened? I mean, we, we, I saw, I was right behind uh, Sam Sonov for all three of these goals. it stuffs one back home. You know, let's go. I'm pumped. The Blackhawks finally do something on the power play. And then... Something they've struggled with all season long, getting the puck into the offensive zone on the man advantage. But Kirby Doc just kind of took matters into his own hands. It wasn't pretty. Definitely an ugly goal, but uh, one that Kurashev will definitely take for his first tally of the season. And then just 18 seconds after that, they're just rolling. Taze makes a great play. Uh, It was some beautiful hockey, man. It, It was really awesome. And quite the turnaround from the Blackhawks. But hey... That's what a good power play can do for you. Not only can it put some goals up on the board in a hurry, but it also can completely swing momentum in your favor just like that. And it was all Blackhawks there for a couple of minutes in the second period to take a 3-1 to lead. Unfortunately, Washington was pressing really hard in that point. They, they came out of the first intermission with some fire. And I wasn't really sure if three goals was going to be enough to win the game with with just kind of the way the pace was going. Uh, And credit to the Caps, because after that point, after giving up those three goals in 34 seconds, they just doubled down and put their foot on the gas even more and really managed to create a ton of scoring chances the rest of the way. If you go and look at the analytics from this contest, at 5-on-5, it really was all capitals. And this was actually the most high-danger scoring chances that the Blackhawks have allowed at 5-on-5 all season. Not only under Derrick King, but for the entire year, even with Jeremy Colleton as the head coach. So, um, yeah, with that being the case, and the tempo being definitely uh, more action-packed than I expected, uh, wasn't sure if three was going to get the job done. I was hopeful, you know, with Marc-Andre Fleury in net, um, but the Caps were peppering him, and they they were getting off a lot of good opportunities in transition. And, and late in the second period, I think a, a big one for Washington was in the final minute of the period, Sprong, uh, Daniel Sprong roofed a shot 
past the glove of Marc-Andre Fleury, and that cut the Blackhawks' lead to 3-2 to following a, a bad turnover by Alex Dabrinkit, I should mention, in the defensive zone. Uh, and that, those momentum goals are so crucial. And after seeing that, I just kind of had a feeling deep in my stomach that the Caps were going to be able to tie this one up. And, and sure enough, right around the midway point of the third period, after a, another, you know, strong push out of the gate, the Capitals were firing pucks on net. Um, and eventually, Lars Eller managed to sneak one home while kind of falling to the ice, just kind of knocked it over the glove of Flurry, And that tied the game 3-3. Three to three. So there went those three goals in 34 seconds and that 3-1 to one lead. And just like that, um, with under 10 minutes to play, it was a whole brand new hockey game. But even after that point, Little did I know, the chaos was far from over, folks. And I, I was th- this kind of caught me by surprise because I, I didn't really think that the officials would be calling anything in those final couple of minutes after the game had just got knotted up. Um, but the Hawks were due for a call to go their way after uh, a couple of bad ones went against them earlier in the contest. Honestly, the, the officials... Um, were well below par last night, in my opinion. Hopefully I don't get hit with a fine by anyone for saying that. Um, But the Blackhawks got a surprising man advantage opportunity late in this one. And just like he did earlier in the contest, who else but Alex Dabrinkit, the superstar, to be the man to cash in over at the left circle. This time, Brandon Hagel was the man with the sweet dish to set it up instead of Patrick Kane. Some quick puck movement by the Hawks on the power play. Kane down low to Strom, up to the right circle to find Hagel. He finds Dabrinkit back door, and Kitty buries it past Samsonov for the second time in the game. That now gives him... 16 goals on the season, and more importantly, the Blackhawks gave them a late 4-3 lead in the third period. And by the way, those 16 goals from Dabrinkit, now good for 8th in the NHL at the moment. Not a big deal. Alex Dabrinkit just continues to prove that he's one of the best snipers in the entire hockey league at such a young age. It's really been awesome to watch him grow here in Chicago. And with the way that Fleury had been playing in net, I know the Caps were peppering him, but as I had talked about earlier in the show, not a whole lot of times he allowed over three goals. Only happened once under Derek King, and with the way he was kind of stopping everything that the Caps were throwing at him last night, um, I kind of thought that this was going to go down uh, to Brinkett's late power play goal. I thought it was going to go down as the game winner. But of course, in typical... Heartbreaking fashion for this Blackhawks team recently. With three seconds left in regulation. Three freaking seconds. Connor Sheary scored a greasy goal out front to tie the game 4-4. Four to four. And it was uh, a hands-on-your-head type moment at the UC. I really could not believe the Blackhawks blew that one. Ugh. What a play, though, by Alex Ovechkin, I have to say. To get that puck to the middle and find Connor Sheary. Ovechkin was on his A game from start to finish last night. Um, Not only did he have two points, but he also had 10 shots on goal. 10 shots on goal from the grade 8 last night. My oh my. It's kind of only a miracle that only one found the back of the net. Uh, But Ovi made a great play to center the puck, and, and Sheary found a way to sneak it home, and all of a sudden, 
Overtime, here we go. The Blackhawks locked up at least one point. And yes, they did eventually go on to get the job done in OT, thanks to Caleb Jones. Um, But with the way that, you know, they played with fire late in that game and and wound up getting burned, that type of stuff is going to come back and cost you, especially against a gifted offensive bunch. The Blackhawks just need to tighten things up a little bit in the final minutes. Um, I, I don't really want to blame them too much for that loss in Toronto because a bad bounce off the stanchion is what ultimately cost them. Um, But this isn't the first time where they've allowed a surge late in the game. This one just came back to bite them in the butt. Um, And it would have hurt a a lot more if they only came away with one point in this one because they did everything they needed to do to win it in regulation. You know, they had... Three power play goals against a really good penalty kill and really good defense. Also, one of the top goaltenders in the entire league at this point. Um, And it was another great comeback effort, not only to go ahead 3-1 to after falling behind 1-0, but also to jump back ahead 4-3 to late in the game. Washington clawed their way back and tied up the score, but the Hawks jumped ahead once again. So I really loved that resiliency all night long. But this was one where they had to finish the job in regulation. Fortunately, they wound up staying hot in OT and um, ultimately did get the job done regardless. But that's not going to happen each and every time for the rest of the season. Especially when, um, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and say that the Blackhawks are going to make the playoffs. But if they somehow do, overtimes aren't going to be three on three. They're going to be five on five. And out of their 11 wins this season, the Hawks only have five in regulation. So, would like to see them definitely pick up some more uh, wins without having to go to overtime or without having to get it done in the shootout. But I'm not going to complain too much here, though, because without a doubt, it still was a big victory over one of the top teams in the entire NHL right now. And I know the analytics show that Washington was in control for the most part. Yes, that was true. But they gave the Blackhawks a lot of power play opportunities, and you really can't fault them for taking advantage. So, um, it was, uh, even though an overtime victory, you know, doesn't feel as good as uh, one in regulation would have, you know, we'll take them any way we can get them right now. And regardless of how they did it, it was still a big bounce back victory for the Blackhawks, nonetheless, after they got their hearts completely stepped on and shattered in Saturday night's game up in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. All right, that takes care of the Blackhawks. 5 4 overtime win against the Caps last night. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to talk about all the COVID 19 issues in the NHL right now, as well as the Hawks and Kyle Beach officially reaching a settlement prior to last night's game. But first, I need to talk to you all about Primal Origin Oils. Got beard? Get Primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, then they or you need to get Primal. And maybe you're that guy who's never considered the benefits of treating your beards with product. But Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and will make your beard look healthy and groomed. Primal Origin Oils also 
makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are known as the best feel and beard products available. This is due to the exotic carrier blend with oils like raspberry seed, rosehip, and chia seed oil, which all products are fair trade certified and handcrafted right here in the US of A. And we know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients to the other companies that you've used in the past. We promise you that you will see and feel the difference. And remember the code Locked On gets you 20% off at Primal Origin Oils right now. Use the code Locked On, one word in all caps at checkout for 20% off right now at PrimalOriginOils.com. Got beard? Get primal. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Moving on into segment three, I also definitely wanted to talk for just a minute or two uh, all about the latest COVID issues that are going on across the National Hockey League right now. And obviously, even though the Blackhawks, yes, have been able to steer clear up to this point, quick knock on wood there, um, they have still felt what's been going on in the past couple of days because obviously their game on Monday night against Calgary didn't happen. Calgary now has like 16 players and staff members or something in COVID protocol, I believe. It's real tough for Calgary. And I think also, um, I don't know if it's all games in Canada or if it's just the Ontario area, um, but I know at least Toronto and I believe Ottawa, I think. Um, I believe those teams are now down to 50% capacity in their home arenas for the time being. So it's getting pretty bad back up in Canada again. Not to say it isn't bad in the United States. It really is. Um, And it's a problem across a bunch of teams in the NHL right now. Um, There were earlier issues earlier with the New York Islanders. They missed a bunch of games. Uh, The Sens as well. Carolina is going through it too. Um, There are actually (laughs) a couple of Hurricanes players that were stuck up in Canada there for a couple of days after testing positive, which was just a wild situation. It was a whole thing. I think it took two or three days to get, I think it was Sebastian Ajo and and someone else back to Carolina. So it's, you know, it's trouble. And now the Nashville Predators, who are the Blackhawks, Next opponent tomorrow night at the United Center. The Preds have been dealing with some COVID issues of their own recently. Six players have been placed in COVID protocol for the Preds in the past few days. Um, As of now, though, it looks like the Preds are expected to move forward as planned, which is kind of interesting. Uh, They have a game tonight against the Colorado Avalanche that is still expected to be played at this point. So... Um, I guess if there isn't more of an outbreak with the Preds, uh, this game on Friday looks like it could happen, but who knows with what, what's going, going on in this crazy world that we live in right now. And with the way that COVID is once again, spreading rapidly throughout the league and not only to the teams that I just mentioned, but, uh, it feels like more teams than not right now are dealing with at least one or two cases of their own. Uh, I saw Brad Marchand's in COVID protocol for the Bruins. Um, it, it's happening all around the league. So the, the, tr- the problem is I'm not really sure what they can do about it at this point. 
because COVID, with the way the variants just keep popping up and even how the vaccinated are, are getting the disease, are getting um, COVID, um, I just don't know if this is going anywhere anytime soon. And just it just kind of feels like this is part of our lives for the imminent future, unfortunately. And it, it's not only a problem in the NHL, but... It's a problem in the NFL. I think the NFL has like 70 players right now in COVID protocol. I know their rosters are a lot larger than any other sport, but that's insane. 70 players or something like that. The NBA is dealing with it too. The Chicago Bulls have basically their entire team in COVID protocol. Uh, And I guarantee if baseball, if the MLB were going on right now, it would be a problem there too because the spread is full on throughout North America right now. Stay safe out there, folks. It's uh, just not going away. So it doesn't look like it's going to anytime soon. And I know the NHL doesn't want to pause their season. And the hope is that the Olympics are still going to happen. Uh, But I just don't see how that's going to take place in February at this point with NHL players suiting up for their respected countries. It's That's just, I think, becoming more and more unrealistic at this point. And as for a pause, um, I said something about it on uh, Twitter a couple of days back, and people kind of backlashed against me for it. Let me just say, I'm not in favor for a pause, and I don't even know if that's going to solve anything. Um, But with cases spreading like crazy in the league right now, again, I know it doesn't look like the NHL is going into that, or heading into that direction, And again, I don't even know if that would solve anything if pausing would, because look what happened after they took off, uh, what was that, March till August in 2020? I mean, here we are, we're still dealing with all these things. Obviously, people are vaccinated and it's not as severe. The people who are testing positive, at least in the NHL, um, aren't as sick as they were last year when the virus was first spreading. Um, But if things continue to get out of hand for the next week or two. I just think that a pause wouldn't be the worst idea in the world just to see if they could drive cases down. They have enhanced COVID protocols through at least January 7th. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe if those don't work, I I, I just want to see the cases go down. I don't care how it has to happen, but player safety, I think, has to be priority number one here, right? Like. That's my whole mindset. Um, It's pretty clear that playing hockey games and traveling across the country isn't helping the players be safe from COVID-19. And I kind of like how the NHL has come out and said that they're going to allow the players to decide what to do. I know that a lot of people, uh, and I don't blame them at all, for thinking, you know, this is a typical NHL move for going hands-off and letting someone else have to make the decision for them. But I think it actually was a good idea because while I still would love to have some input from the league as a whole, I really think it should be up to the players because they're the ones who are taking the risk here by, you know, traveling and and playing for their respected teams. So um, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks. I don't know. This could go on forever, but uh, just definitely be on high alert 
with the Nashville Predators, the Blackhawks' next opponent tomorrow night because they're dealing with some COVID issues of their own in the past couple of days. And uh, if that continues, the game tomorrow night, unfortunately, may not happen. But at this point, according to multiple sources, seems like the Predators are going to push, push forward, assuming that they're not going to have more of an outbreak on the team. One thing I also had to be sure to mention on the show here today, folks, uh, before I wrap things up, is that yesterday, the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach, right before puck drop, um, maybe a couple hours before, officially reached a settlement in the sexual assault law, sexual assault lawsuit after eight months of this entire process. And what a tough eight months it has been. I mean, ooh, tough pill to swallow finding out all the things that the Blackhawks were guilty of during their 2010 Stanley Cup run, and also for years upon years after that incident occurred. Uh, but it hasn't been tougher for anyone than Kyle Beach. And I hope with this settlement um, that Kyle can get some peace and some closure here. Uh, it's a confidential settlement, by the way. Not sure what the figure is. Um, and obviously, you know, it's not going to ever change what happened back in May of 2010, and nothing ever will um, but I just hope that Kyle can find some peace, uh, knowing that this thing is resolved kind of as much as it can be in the court of law and, um, just kind of knowing that he's going to be at the forefront of hopefully what will be a, a huge swing in, in change in the culture in the game of hockey. Um, and I think just seeing this settlement and, and seeing everything that came out and, and finding out what the Blackhawks were guilty of, I think it's just a good reminder that no one is above the law in this in this world. Not in sports, not in whatever you do for a living. You're, you need to be held to the same standards as everyone else. And the Blackhawks clearly did some things that showed they thought this, this wasn't going to come out and that they could just sweep it under the rug and that they handled it to the best of their abilities when that was far from the truth. And hopefully this will just serve, you know, again, as the turning point for not only the Blackhawks organization becoming a whole lot better than they've been in the past, um, but also for teams across all sports or even businesses, anything in general, just to make their cultures healthy ones and providing safe environments for people to work in, because that's how it should be, you know, any other way is just wrong and completely unacceptable and should not be tolerated, it's been tolerated way too long, for far too long in the National Hockey League, so hopefully Kyle, again, will be the forefront of these changes, and um, more people can be encouraged and can feel the power to come out and share their stories because I know there's a lot more out there, especially in the game of hockey, and these things need to stop right here, right now, um, and Kyle Beach, without his courage, I don't know if the changes in the NHL uh, would be happening the way they are, and the Blackhawks needed this wake-up call. And the Blackhawks, by the way, they're scheduled to have another mediation session on Monday with John Doe 2, who has alleged in another lawsuit that the Blackhawks helped Brad Aldrich get a job at a high school in Michigan before he went on to sexually assault him in 2013, so the Blackhawks aren't out of the thick of it here yet. More mediation sessions coming 
earlier next week. Uh, but Kyle Beach and the Blackhawks officially reached a settlement yesterday, and hopefully that will give Kyle at least some closure and some peace going forward throughout the rest of his career and the rest of his life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Thursday, December 16th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Locked On Vets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown Bets right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.